Welcome this morning again to to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church. My name is Mark. I'm the the pastor in training here, uh, and it's um, my my joy and privilege to be able to to welcome you here as we come to to worship God together. Uh, Let me turn to Psalm 113 as we open our time of worship to focus our thoughts on the God it is that we have come to worship. Psalm 113, I'm reading from the ESV. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord for, from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. So it's a shorter message this morning, as you'll hopefully be glad to hear. Um, And my my voice is certainly glad that it's a a shorter message this morning. Um, So apologies for the croakiness. This morning, it's a short message uh, about a meal with Jesus. A meal that um, has perhaps the most awkward dinner conversation imaginable. Uh, This meal is, is quite a tense affair, in fact. Our culture has the golden rule that we we never talk about religion or politics, and we certainly never offend the host when we go for dinner. Uh, Jesus breaks all the rules here. At this dinner, he squarely deals with the hosts who feel like their religious status, their self-righteous actions, make them close to God. Jesus doesn't quite flip the table over here, but he totally flips their perceptions on their head. He deals directly with the question of who gets to eat with Jesus, which is really a metaphor for who gets close to God, who gets to have a relationship with God, who gets to enjoy eternal life with God. This section of Luke's gospel revolves around a dinner table, a Sabbath meal with the important religious leaders and the ruler of the Pharisees in verses 1 to 6. But we see very quickly, don't we, that this isn't so much a meal as it is a trial. In verse one, we see that they are watching Jesus very carefully. They were watching him to see if he would come up to their legalistic standard. Because not long before, in chapter 13, he had healed a woman on the Sabbath and he had upset many people by doing it. So Jesus was invited to this meal so that they could examine him. But very quickly, Jesus turns the tables on them. A sick man we see is present. He has um, what might be called dropsy in some of your translations, which is just swelling or edema. Um, We don't know the cause, but Jesus with all eyes on him asks a very pointed question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And none of them dared offer an answer. So he heals him and he sends him on his way. And then and he says, wouldn't you 
do the same for, for something or someone that you cared for? Wouldn't you do the same for, for even an animal that belonged to you? At the same time as highlighting his own care for this needy man, Jesus exposes the Pharisees' loveless hearts. These Pharisees felt they were close to God because of who they were, their religious status, and what they did. This is the setting for all that Jesus says in the verses that follow. It is to these people that he is speaking, but it's also to us. This real meal in verses 1 to 6 provides the background to Jesus' lessons that follow, lessons that show us, perhaps surprisingly, who it is that gets to eat with God, who gets to have this meal with Jesus that serves as a metaphor for eternal, perfect relationship with God. We're going to focus mainly on the the parable of the great banquet um, towards the end of our reading in verses 15 to 24. But before we get there, it's helpful, I think, to see the context of verses 1 to 14. As we've seen in verses 1 to 6, he exposes the Pharisees' legalistic, loveless hearts. And then in verses 7 to 11, he exposes their pride as he notices each one of them taking the best seat, and he calls them out on it. In verses 12 to 14, then, he exposes their false motives by calling them out on who it is they choose to invite to their their charity banquets, which are revealed not to be charitable at all, but self-serving and hypocritical. Having systematically exposed the rottenness of the hearts of the Pharisees present, you might expect there to be some remorse, some repentance, some realization that they weren't as good as they thought they were, maybe. But I think, in fact, we see the opposite. Jesus' rebuke seems to slide off them like Teflon. They assume Jesus' rebukes must be meant for someone else. One Pharisee reclining next to Jesus on hearing Jesus rebuke people for their loveless, legalistic hearts, on hearing him rebuke people for their pride in choosing the best seats at a banquet, on hearing him rebuke them for their self-serving motives in who they invite to their own banquets, declares, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. We see that in verse 15. This seems fairly innocuous, a mere statement of fact, but when we see that this statement by this Pharisee reclining with Jesus is followed by a but, but Jesus said to him in verse 16, we should note that Jesus is about to again offer this man a corrective, to calibrate and correct his thinking. It seems this Pharisee's statement was more than a mere statement of fact. It was him identifying himself as one of those who would sit and eat at God's table, elevating himself to that position, demonstrating the self-righteous pride that Jesus has just been rebuking. He has heard Jesus' teaching and clearly thought it was for someone else. How often do we do that ourselves? How often do we hear the rebukes of Scripture? Perhaps hear a, a great direct sermon about some sin issue and think, if only so-and-so was here now. They really need to hear this message. But this message speaks to us today, to our pride, to our selfishness. 
It speaks to us who, who think we are close to God because of who we are and what we do. Jesus speaks to these men in a parable and says, if you think you are qualified to eat at God's table because of your religious status, because of what you do, beware. Those who sit at God's table might actually surprise you. And so Jesus delivers this teaching via the parable of the great banquet in verses 16 to 24. In this parable, we meet with the great and the good, the down and out, and the servant who invited them according to the instruction of the master who had prepared everything for them. So we're going to look just very briefly at these three characters in this parable, because I think they have very valuable lessons for us this morning. Number one, the great and good. The parable opens with a master who had prepared a feast. He instructs his servants to invite some A-list guests, the great and the good. And I think the, the Pharisee is probably expected to relate to these people. They are given a royal invitation to attend. But one after one, they make excuses. We see they are each distracted by other things, possessions, property, family, The distractions of life cause them not even to notice the value of the invitation in their hand. We could summarize these people, the great and the good here, as people who are just too easily satisfied. The trinkets of the world are enough for them. They are too easily satisfied. When offered this unimaginable banquet, they go back to literally playing in the mud, playing with new oxen, and a new field. It reminds me of the illustration that, that C.S. Lewis made once, perhaps you know it, of the, the small boy playing in, in the mud. And this is what he said. He said, we are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by, an off, by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. This is the choice these great and good are making here. When offered a banquet, they instead go to play in the mud. How sad, how tragic. But this is the case that we see so often in the world around us today, isn't it? Especially in a place like, like Bankery, our friends who do not know God are just far too easily pleased. And frankly, even we as Christians can fall into this trap. We are so often too easily satisfied by the trinkets of this world when we have a ticket to dine with the king. Our second group, the down and out, that we're going to look at briefly in this passage. In this passage, having been snubbed by the great and good, the master sends his servant out again. He tells them to go out and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame, those who are destitute, those who are lowly, those who have nothing to offer this master of the banquet. They are told to come, and they do. Here we see a stark contrast between those who accept the invite and those who reject it. It plays on a similar theme that we saw earlier from Jesus. Those who are self-righteous and proud, those who are full of their own importance and good works, are those who reject the master's invite. 
Those who are empty, those who are humble, those who know their own needy state, joyfully accept. Those who were proud are humbled, and those who are humble are exalted. Here is a picture of the gospel for us. Who gets close to God? Who gets to eat with God? Who gets to enter into a perfect eternal relationship with God? It is those who are broken, who are sinners, who are helpless, who are unable to do anything to help themselves, those who have come to an end of themselves. What qualifies us to dine is a humble acceptance of our own wretchedness, our own spiritual poverty, and a grateful acceptance of God's gracious invitation to us. This is wonderful news, and it turns all religion on its head. Now let's finally look at the servant in this parable. He's sent by the master to invite everyone to this great banquet. He does the work of the master to bring people in. He goes where he's told to go, and he delivers the message that he is told to deliver. He goes first to the great and good who reject him, and then he is sent to the streets and lanes, to the down and out who accept. But we see that even then the work is not done. There is still room at the banquet table. So the master sends the servant out again to the hedges and highways. And note the urgency here in the message. In verse 21, the servant is told to go quickly and bring people in. And in verse 23, the servant is told not simply to invite, but to compel. There is force of urgency in this invitation. The banquet is not just somewhere nice that people could or should go. It's not an optional extra. It is somewhere they must go. This again pictures the work of the gospel, the work of salvation for us, and it pictures the work of God's servants. The servant in the parable is like those of us who know God as our Savior, who has been, have been saved by Him to serve Him. We are sent by Him into the world to deliver this message his glorious invite to a royal banquet that is for poor and broken sinners. We see in this passage the reach of the message. To the highways and hedgeways, we see the urgency of the message. Go quickly, compel them. We also see the unfinished nature of the work. There is still room at the banquet in verse 23. And we see the seriousness in verse 24, none of those who reject the master's invitation will taste his banquet. This is a parable that can teach us so much about the nature of who gets to eat with God, who is qualified to eat at his table. It also has much to tell us about our role as Christians in the task of bringing people to the party. We as Christians, whoever we are, and wherever God has placed us, find ourselves in the shoes of the servant in this parable. The work that, that Pauline and others from CAP and similar organizations do, it forms part of the work. The work of going with the message of the gospel to the streets and lanes, to the highways and hedges, to the great and good and to the down and out. The message through their work reaches far and wide. The message is urgent. The nature of the problem goes far beyond finances and reaches to the very nature of our hearts before the living God. 
and the work is unfinished. We are told to go out to the streets and lanes, to where the people are, and present the message of the gospel with compelling Christ-like love. This is what CAP do, and it's why we support them in this work, why we pray for them, and especially for Pauline, and we thank God that he has given us this wonderful message of hope. The banquet is not yet filled, so let's get out to the highways and the hedges and the streets and the lanes quickly and bring people in, compel them to come in by bringing them the message of the master. If this morning you feel secure because of what you have done and what you do, beware. You may be like the great and good of this parable, and you need to be humbled to repent and to turn to Jesus. If you feel utterly helpless and sinful and spiritually poor, take heart. You, you are invited to dine with God. He has paid the price and he calls you to feast with him. All you have to do is humbly accept. If you know the joy of eating with the king, press on and invite others to join. There's room at the table. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the message of the gospel. We thank you that it reaches to us. We thank you that there is nowhere that we can be that is inaccessible to your reach. And Father, we thank you that you have called us this morning to be in your presence. Lord, help us to, to go out to the highways and to the hedges, to go out into the world around us and to tell all of your great love for us. Amen.